Hi, friends. Welcome back to the Rachel LaForce Show. It's me, Rachel LaForce, and this is my show. As you know, a name, uh, podcast name, if anything else, would just be harder to Google, you know? So many like, manifest with Courtney, you know, spiritual money saving with Natalia. Um, all good podcasts, okay? Just jokes, no judgments. I think it's great. Uh, and if you're like, oh, I want to start a podcast, please do. I don't mean to shit on everybody. I'm just saying that there's the great thing about a quote unquote oversaturated market, right? It means that we're still taking applications. So I love that idea. Um, so get out there. I just know for me, I'm like, oh, it's so hard peddling your wares just over and over, right? So I was like, well, let me make it easy. Uh, whether you love it or you hate it, it'll be easy to find on Spotify. Uh, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, maybe after that rant, you're going, not for me. Uh, if you choose to stick around, God bless you. My name is Rachel Force. I am a longtime comedian and multi-hyphenate, uh, built a career in Chicago and in Los Angeles for over 18 years, had a spiritual awakening in a bunk bed in Aspen, because you can't make this up, got sober in 2018, and now, Allah, I'm a spiritual teacher. I didn't choose this path. I'm not into it, but guess what? I'm great at it, okay? Uh, so what I aim to do is make the spiritual practical. I want to make the spiritual funny, and I want to make it something that it's not, oh, now you have to learn this whole new bag of tricks, and oh, I have to pull out every single piece of trauma, and everything has to be so. Healing doesn't have to be heavy, but it will change your life. So, uh, but also be careful what you wish for, because you're going to go from living in uh, Hollywood, chasing your comedy dreams, to doing podcasts from your childhood bedroom. Those are all real things. But guys, I've never had more fun, and I've never been more excited. Uh, so it all works out. That's who I am. Uh, this podcast is all about that uh, and exploring all sorts of things. So if this is your first time. This is season three. We're getting really dense in this season. So you have so much to go back. It's all bingeable. Most of it is evergreen, meaning you can listen to it at any time. Uh, there's so many, I mean, again, most of this are healing practices and therapy talk and, you know, personal development, all of the things, right? So it's all available to you. I highly encourage you to go back and tune in to all of it. Now, if you were here last week, if you tuned in, you know that I am so stoked about this new book. By new, I mean it was written in 1955, but I was at a gift at a gift shop. I was at a thrift store. A little similar. I was at a thrift store uh, about a week and a half ago, and I looked over and I saw this kind of pastel cover. And for no other reason than my intuition, I was like, you should go open that book, LaForce. Like that seems insane, but I've also found when I just listen to the voice the first time, I get everywhere so much faster, so much faster. Uh, it would be like if you got a green light in traffic and then you went, I don't know if it means go, I'm going to wait it out. And then it turns yellow. And then what happens? It turns red because you didn't go. And then you got to wait all over again. So when you're, you know, your metaphorical light turns green, go for it. Okay. So she did. And I opened up one page of this book and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know much about Anne Morrow Lindbergh. Uh, she was married to Charles Lindbergh. So uh, she obviously is from a very famous and uh, almost like American, you know, dynasty. Uh, but I was not familiar with her at all before. And now I'm like, this woman is speaking to me from the metaphorical grave because we are bosom buddies. So I walked us through a lot of principles last week. Uh, and I, really been taking my time getting through this book. It's very easy. It's literally a beach read. She wrote this at the beach. It's called A Gift from the Sea. And 
but I typically, I like to slow it down and, and kind of chop it up into parts in order to really digest it and integrate it. So I'm so glad I did because, oh my goodness. So this next part is uh, each chapter or section is named for a different seashell. So charming, you guys. So this is all about the moon shell and really what she talks about and begins to really, I love it because what a woman of like the 1950s, she just kind of like very slowly like walks us, like like it almost, it always feels like a trap. Like you're like, oh, this is nice and easy breezy. And then she's like, boom, being a lady is hard and here's why. Uh, And so Anne had a little, she had a little kick to her and I appreciate that. So, uh, what we're going to talk about, I'm actually going to split this concept, this uh, chapter of hers into two parts. She's really talking about the idea of aloneness and both what does it mean to be alone and what does it mean to be alone as a part of our greater whole? Those are two different things. What does it mean to be alone? And what does it mean to be alone in our, you know, kind of being one with the universe or one a part of the universe. And then also how important that sense of alone time is specifically for artists, creatives, women, uh, men that are very in tune emotionally and know that in order to like kind of like face that and really honor that masculine energy, that a lot of that is is tending to self, right? And so, and in fact, actually men do really well with solidarity, right? We send them out. It was like, you know, uh, they, they would go hunt. They were alone for long periods of time. And there's just all these ways in which, uh, you know, we have really kind of made men ones that perform well in solitary and in, in solitaire environments. Um, and in the way that, women, we've made them these super social creatures and they're supposed to be super social and all of these different things. Um, so she really kind of breaks all of that down of what does all of that look like? What does all of that mean? And it's really so potent that I was like, we got to just take our time with this. So we're going to split that into two parts. Um, and, uh, so, but first I wanted to pull a card for us. I wanted to pull a card for us just to see if there's, I think, I mean, again, I was so called to this book and what I want to share and there's a lot there. So I just want to take a moment and see what else might come through for us uh, as we move forward. And as I always like to tell you guys, in case you're not watching this and you're just listening, if I go quiet for a minute, uh, you don't have to turn up your radio or anything. Nothing happened. I'm just taking just a second just to check in. Uh, I'm going to pull a card today from Native Spirit. This is one of my favorite uh, decks. So I'm just going to Take a second and see what we got. All right. Sorry. I got lost in thought there. I was like, um, it's funny because I pulled two because one kept, uh, jumping out at me and it's hilarious because we've already had this card. This is grandmother earth. We had this card recently. There's been a lot of grandmother, female energy stuff popping up a lot. 
uh, almost in like all of my energy readings I've been doing for folks, same thing. So that's hilarious to me. I felt that card pop out. I was like, I don't think this is the card, but I was like, it keeps popping out into my hand. So I pulled it and that's what it is. And then uh, this next card is the circle of life card, which already without even reading what the uh, proposed meaning of the card is, I'm already like with knowing what we're going to talk about today. I'm like, oh, of course, circle of life. You know, the what we're really talking about today and what Anne talks about with this idea of aloneness and being alone is that all we do, and it's one, one, one right now. Of course it is on the 22nd guys. She just, she, you know, just stepping in it. You know what I mean? Just stepping in it. Um, one of the, the things that she talks about again, which is hilarious to me is that she wrote this book in 1955. And while some of the specifics have changed, the overall energy of what exists in the hum of being human and filling that space with as many things as possible. Oh, I don't, I don't want to feel, I don't want to be left alone. I don't, it's like how many things that we can just keep filling this container over and over and over again. Right. And so the idea that she wrote that book in 1955 and today it's 2023 and so much of it is still true, which is one of like, is that the human condition or are we not learning? I don't know. It could probably, we'll chalk it up to being, uh, you know, why can't they both be true? Um, but that is so true of so much of our aloneness and so much of our fear. I think whether we're aware of it or not, but so much of this fear of being alone is, this sense of, and not alone of like, there's, there's certainly something that's different to like, if you feel lonely or if you're feeling like that's, that's a little bit different of this idea of like oneness versus being alone, that we really are a huge part of this thing that is all circling together all of the time. And I think sometimes taking that oneness and being alone is so hard because to really sit with ourselves and frankly, I don't think about it that it's so hard to sit with how big it is. I think it's hard to sit with how simple it really is because if we actually paid attention to how simple our needs, our connection to each other, to the earth, to animals, to all of these different things, it would blow our minds. It would blow our Amazon ordering, Whole Foods, you know, grocery delivering, finding love on the internet, watch my TikTok brains. Our brains would explode. If we were like, oh, turns out we don't need any of this and we'll still be fine. So that's so much of what this, this card, at least to me, again, there's all these circles and it starts at the smallest and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And it's just this idea of like that we're, and it's each small individual rocks. Again, if I'm talking right now and you're not watching the video, uh, we do the, we also put the card pools, uh, on YouTube. So if you ever listen to the podcast episode and then you want to go back and see, uh, just the card pull, you can watch that on YouTube. So fun fact, just for you, you're welcome. Uh, in this card, these circles are made up of individual rocks. Again, this idea that we are all one and that we were all, you know, alone, but we're all a part of something that's greater. And I think that's the thing that's so interesting is that even in our oneness and our aloneness, and we all think that we're all so separate and it's like, look to your left or to your right. You're not alone, right? In, in that same idea that you are alone, which is so interesting that it's like, you know, 
I don't know. We could write sketches on that, right? Uh, alone or not alone. Okay, so she's rambled on it. You get it. Let's see what this has to say. All right, circle of life. Oh, this is pretty. Card meaning, all things are possible. Stand in your center and be open. The four winds are are bringing your dreams to fruition. Embrace and accept that you are in the great circle of life. Bounty and abundance are flowing to you. If you've had relationship or financial challenges, things are about to change. Okay, you guys, you got a really good card here. Let's see. Your native spirit wants you to know the circle of life, also called the medicine wheel in Native American traditions, symbolizes that uh, cosmology honors all circles of life. Those in Western cultures tend to see life as linear. However, those in indigenous cultures see it all as a circle. When this card chooses you, it's time to honor and cherish all aspects of the great circle. Okay, I'm going to come back to that. There's something in the book that relates to that that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, When this card chooses you, it's time to honor and cherish all aspects of the great circle. All parts of the journey have been beauty and grace. There's beauty in the rising sun just as there is in the setting sun. To only revel in the rising sun depletes your energy. Choose what is and you become the master of the universe, or at least your own personal universe. Again, this idea of oneness or being connected. The journey. Create a medicine wheel for yourself. It can be as simple as creating a circle of stones that you place on your desk or making a circle of stones of pine cones that you uh, ooh, that you can lay like inside outdoors. Wait, that doesn't make sense. That you can lay inside of the circle outdoors. There we go. She nailed it. As you place each part of the circle, hold the intent that you're honoring in all aspects of your life. Okay. We're going to break this this card down as we go through the episode today. So I'm going to be going back through that. Um, it's, it's absolutely true because also, you know, to me, the idea of like abundance and oneness and all of that, it comes from being a part of something else. This is the whole idea again, the idea of like community and being a part of it, whether you want to stand in the center of it or you just want to be a piece of it. But this idea that miracles are just going to happen to you when we have this place and this part of ourselves that comes from our ego or comes from our hurt self or come, whatever language you use, you, I don't even have to explain it to you. You know that part of yourself that exists. You know it, in fact, better than anybody else right? When you get stuck in that place, that's why it's like, oh, abundance happens for everybody else or everybody else gets this thing or this thing isn't possible, right? And then when you make that shift and it becomes a thing that is a part of the greater good, the greater something that's bigger than you, it almost in doing the thing that you were wanting to do becomes easier and happens faster, right? Because you're honoring in that idea in that circle of life. Okay. Now, we got the Grandmother Earth card, but we're just going to read through it again. Um, Yeah, it's interesting because both of these cards also are talking a lot about some like bigger things coming through, Um, but we've talked a lot about that too. I mean, also we're in this you know, if you're talking about it energetically, we're in this place where we're in between seasons and fall is all about like harvest and bounty, right? So it's really kind of this idea of fruits of your labor too. And, or even if you're not there yet, 
being able to use that seasonal change as a tool and as a guidepost for how and kind of circle back into that thing. Here we go. Grandmother Earth, card meaning stop and take measure of your life. Assess who you are and where you are. Again, that oneness. Where are you? Where do you want to be? Get grounded. Make plans for the future, but don't act on those plans until you are ready. This is a profound source of strength and power, and it's expanding within you. Put down your roots. This is a time for preparation and going deeper. Your native spirit wants you to know Grandmother Earth provides the trees, plants, flowers. It goes on and on and on. Uh, and she supports you with all of her bounty. She's stable and strong in her devotion to us. You are supported and loved, even if you're not always sure of it. Strength is going within you. Don't rush. Slow down. The seeds that you plant now will bring abundance in the future, but only if you take time to nurture those new beginnings. Take time to plan your future carefully and don't rush into anything. Security and protection surround you. You're safe. If you're thinking of making secure financial investments and receive this card, it's telling you that it's a good time to do so. Although it's not a time to take risks. The journey to deepen your connection to grandmother earth and bring security in all forms into your life. Walk barefoot on the earth, place your hands in the earth or make investments. Imagine the strengthening grounding energy of the earth filling you and your life. Okay. So a lot, also a lot of stuff about finance, uh, coming up, which is interesting too. So if that, I'm not going to go off on that tangent because we're 20 minutes into the podcast. We haven't even started looking at the book. Welcome to it. Uh, so, but just knowing if, if that's kind of something that's going on with you. And then also as a spiritual hot take, I will also remind you if you're somebody that subscribes to the astrology of it all, uh, we are about to enter a mercury retrograde, which is not the best time to make big investments or big moves. So perhaps if that's something, the idea of finance at all is coming up for you, whether it's renegotiating and recommitting your relationship to money or yeah, wanting to make these big financial investments, whether that means that you're investing in yourself or doing something different, I would encourage you of, again, this idea of staying steady and what those cards were offering you of using the retrograde as the time to reflect on and see what comes up for you about those things. And then at the end of that, you really should have your kind of quote unquote answer and then boom, you can let it ride. Okay. So again, we've got the circle of life card, the grandmother earth card. So really I'm identifying that again as this, you know, one as a part of the whole. And then with the grandmother earth is the same thing of, you know, kind of, Anne walking us, uh, through this book and all of the safety and security. And so much of that comes up in this book. So we're talking about oneness and aloneness. So this is how she starts. And so again, from last week, she went to, uh, an Island to write this book because, uh, she, I think she has like five or six kids. She's married, you know, her family's in the public eye. She's filling everyone else's cup. And she's like, basically like, listen, you idiots, if I want to write this book, I got to now go live in a shack in the middle of the, you know, Island to get this done. So she does. Uh, and so she talks about being on an Island and what that's doing. So this is again, where she's kind of walking us into this thing. So she says, an Island from the world and the world's life. Islands in time, 
like short, like the short vacation. So she's talking about how typically we only go to islands, right? Unless you're living on an island for a short vacation. And this idea of when you're there, I thought this was so interesting that the past and the future are cut off and only the present remains. Existence in the present gives island living an extreme vividness and purity. One can live like a child. Two thoughts, okay? One, I don't think, I think if we could more, I talked about this in a couple episodes ago where I was like no pressure vacay when I'd gone to Mexico with my friends and anybody like wanted to bail or didn't want to do something. And it was like, Hey, no pressure vacay. Like this is your vacation. You do what you want to do. And I was thinking about that. It's so true. Like when you're in vacation, the only things that exist are the things that you're doing then. And it's like, well, that's only a mindset too. Cause like, you know, you're still paying bills. You're still like the world is still rotating while you're on vacation. So just offer that to you. Not too much to speak on that, but I just offer that to you of what, maybe take a note. What does that spawn for you? What would it be like for you to walk through your life from that place of presence as though you're on vacation? The other interesting thing about kids, I've shared this before, they, um, five and younger, they live in what's called a meta state, right? Which also sounds like a new, um, you know, just like, uh, Zuckerberg's just like started his own, uh, state or something. He's like, this is a meta state and everybody that lives here. Um, oh, could you imagine? But children live in a meta state, meaning they don't identify today, tomorrow, future, past, everything that's happening is happening to them in the moment. And that's the most important thing, which is why hanging out with children when they're not having a meltdown is one of the most joyous things that you can do because they're not concerned with anything else. Everything that's happening in the moment is the most magical and present thing that's happening, right? It's also a lot of reason why people like to take mushrooms and psychedelics is it does the exact same thing as it brings you so clearly into the present and to analyze and look at things from that place, which again, I would argue that you are welcome to kind of quote unquote visit that place, that channel in your body and in your mind at any time, right? Um, so this is when she kind of goes into that idea of being on an island and oneness and what does that mean? And she says, uh, she quotes uh, somebody saying, no man is an island. She says, well, I go on to feel like I think that we are all islands, that we're all swimming in a common sea. Because we are all in a last analysis alone. No one like, uh, no one. Oh, no, this also, we, I said this last week, A, I mean, reading, knowing people are going to listen to it is just what an awful position to put anybody in. But also this was written in 1955 by a very astute woman. So I'm, you know, trying to read her words uh, out loud. Here we go. How one hates to think of oneself as alone. How one avoids it. It seems to imply rejection or unpopularity. So this idea of like, if, even if we're alone, like, think about that. So, okay. Think about this. I, I love what she's saying where I've talked about this on, um, content on Instagram before where I'm like, do more things by yourself. You, you don't need to enjoy a fancy dinner with somebody else or all your girlfriends. You know that you can go and be by yourself, that you can do that. They'll let you in. You know, you can go to a movie by yourself. You can go to the park by yourself. You, frankly, most places you can go by yourself. Um, and how some people are like, oh my God, I would never, I would never. Uh, and 
respectfully, again, it's not a judgment. We're all in our own different places and in our journey, but I would venture to guess if I asked you more questions, the reason that you wouldn't is because of that, that you would think it's not that because your experience would be tainted with the idea that everybody else there is going, Oh, what a sad little gal. What a sad gal. Look at that sad gal eating that sad salad, you know, where it's like, rather than, I mean, when I look at it, when I see people doing things alone, I, I envision them and I believe that it's like, what a powerful place to be as somebody who wants to sit and have a meal by themselves. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's like, Every meal we have where we got to be talking and like, you know, spitting plates and stuff while we're doing it, just eat, manja, sit down, eat the meal. You know, it doesn't have to be a full, you know, Lollapalooza. So I love that she says that of, you know, how one hates to think of oneself as alone, how we avoid it. It seems to imply rejection or unpopularity. We seem so frightened today of being alone that we never let it happen. Y'all. Anne wrote this in 1955. Okay. She says, even if family, friends, and movies should fail, there's still radio or television to fill up the void. Okay. Now, Anne obviously lived past 1955, but I'm like, uh, yeah, Anne, your mind would be blown at scrolling through TikTok. You know what I mean? Or worse, because you know you do it. You got Netflix on and then you're laying in bed, but you're also on your phone just in case you want to watch something else when you're tired of scrolling. Do you know what I mean? Oh, we're nuts. All right. Women who used to complain of loneliness never need be alone anymore. We could do our housework with soap, uh, soap opera heroes at our side, which is so interesting. Yeah. Where it was like, even, you know, and they're, obviously they're still homemakers and uh, stay-at-home moms now, but I mean, at, at that, but we also offer them so much more should they want it, right? In 1955, it was like, well, certainly you would want to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> what do you want? You want to have your own identity? That's cute, right? It it really wasn't, didn't even exist. Um, And I love this. She goes on to say, even daydreaming is more creative, is seemingly more creative than it is. Uh. And so she goes on to say, we must relearn to be alone. We must relearn to be alone. So that's part of your homework that I really want to ask you. And maybe some of you are, are like me, like I, uh, like my husband already knows that he's like, you know, it, it, the best way that he can serve me um, is you know, by giving me a few hours a week where like I can be alone. Like he knows there's like nothing sweeter. And it's, and it, and we'll kind of, we'll go through this too when she talks about the artist being alone. It's not that like, oh, I don't want to be around my husband or my children. They're my favorite people in the world. And in fact, most of the, the circle of people that I have in my life now, I really thoroughly love and I enjoy them. But I can't, as a sensitive person and someone who's always taking things in and a creative person, I always have multiple parts of my brain that are going on at any given time. And it's too much sometimes to process. So I kind of have to turn those other parts of my brain off and allow the one part again, that Island brain just to be present in what's happening. But in order for me to not feel drained, I have to have processing time. I have to have time to go back and process those events and what happened and how I feel and, and all of those things. How did I connect with other people? What do I think of that? Is there art that I want to make from that, right? 
Now, all of these questions are not always conscious, but giving myself the space to be alone, be with oneness is where I can allow all of that to regenerate. Um, and so I just want to offer that to you. Maybe you are somebody you already know that about yourself. Maybe you are knowing that you want to be capable of that thing, that you want to see what happens in that space. And that's something I think that is so interesting because a lot of times when I'm working with people, when I'm doing energy reads, when I'm coaching with people, even, you know, just folks in my life, and they talk about all the things that they want to do. And, I'm, you know, again, this goes back to last week, but what is the shape of your life? What is, what is your pattern of living? Because if it's not making space for that life that you're saying that you want, you're not going to get there. And so this idea of being alone, of being able to be one with yourself excuse me, will give you that headspace and that time to create that strategy, for lack of a better word. How are you going to get from A to Z, right? And so that's why it's so important. So how do you, and also how do you want to be alone? Like, what is that, what does that mean for you? Like if we're, if we're looking at it, this idea of like, again, going back to this circle of life card that you are, you know, one of the stones and all of the stones that make up the universe, right? If that's where you are, how do you want that oneness to feel? Because again, going back to the woman who's like, oh my God, I could never, Rachel. I would like never sit by myself at a bar. <laughs> oh my God, I would never. Like going back to her, right? This woman, this hypothetical woman I keep saying that I'm not judging or shitting on, but just really playing her up. Uh, but we all know her and maybe, you know, she is parts of you or you are her, right? I would also venture to guess a lot of that is because you're not even to the place yet where you're super comfortable just being you, that there's almost more comfortability in owning all of the titles that everybody else has given you, right? Creative director, mom, girlfriend, uh, business owner, stay-at-home mom, uh, you know, healer, nurse, doctor, like whatever your identity markers are, are they even yours? Because I don't think that you can best service the circle of life, right? I'm holding up this card if you're just listening to it auditorily. Um, I don't know how else you would be listening to it, osmosis, but anyway, uh, if you're listening to it and you're not watching the video, you know, the best way to serve the greater good, this idea of oneness, is to be your most authentic one. To stand in your aloneness. And... I think I made notes on this. I want to make sure I don't, I don't jump it. Yeah. Okay. So that's what it says of this idea of what, how do you want to be alone? Right. And then she goes on to say, because life rushes. Oh, no, this is okay. Sorry. I love this so much. I get excited. So when she talks about that, we must relearn to be alone. I'm going to read you what she says. It's a difficult lesson to learn today to leave one's friends and family and deliberately practice the art of solitude for an hour a day, or even just an hour a week. For me, that break is the most difficult. Parting feels inevitably painful, even if for this short time. It feels like an amputation, a limb being torn off without which I shall be unable to function. 
And yet once it's done, I find that there's a quality to being alone that is incredibly precious, that life rushes back into the void, richer, more vivid and fuller than before. And then I wrote underneath that sober video game, life was manic. Let me break that down for you. So again, this idea of like, how do you want to be alone? And I feel like when all of my defenses, mostly alcohol, were taken away, by taken, I mean, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. There was a period of about three months really intensely, but about six months where everything felt so fucking vivid and big and real where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm looking at the world in a completely new way. Because I had just gotten so, again, where it was like, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to think about oneness. I'll just do whatever you want me to do. I'll be whoever you want me to be. I'll just keep chasing these things, even though they're not totally working. And I don't really feel like exactly aligned, but it's the only thing I've ever done. So I'll just keep doing it. And I'll just keep going faster and faster and faster. And then literally to go in and just break that chain of the way that things have been happening, the way that things have been going, opened up an entire new world for me. And since then, almost, you know, almost six years now, five and a half years has been relearning oneness. And that's where this idea, and we'll talk more about this, uh, in next week's episode in part two, but this idea of oneness of like, the first part is identifying what is your relationship to your oneness versus being a part of something greater, of being a part of the universe, right? A, do you even believe that? Where are you at? What is your faith or belief systems with any of those words? Then what is the language in which you that you utilize in all of those spaces, right? Then once you've identified it, maybe you're already like, you're just kind of heightening or dusting off, you know, what your relationship is, or maybe you're like looking at this for the first time. So once you're able to diagnose that, then it's, Okay, what is your relationship to self? Do you love yourself? Right? Like I was working on some uh hashtag content for the socials, the social meds of that of like five things that I used to think were just things people said. And like one of them is that, oh, I love myself. I'm like, I feel like that's just the thing people say, right? Nobody nobody's really like actively loving themselves, right? And but it's so true of what does that even mean? Because I think once you really identify your oneness, you can begin to have a relationship with yourself. That's what self-care is. That's what hashtag self-love is. It's not like, oh, I got to do all these things so then I can go do things for everybody else. Well, then you're still doing the same thing. You're just chalking shit at your face and making green juice. You know, th there's no intention behind it. When the intention is I'm going to nurture myself. I'm going to nurture the relationship. I'm going to be in relation with my oneness, with myself. Going out to, to dinner and sitting at the bar and ordering a nice martini and getting a fancy salad and sitting and bringing a book or just being there by yourself and whatever aloneness means to you becomes a sense of power. It becomes a place where you are filling yourself up, right? It doesn't just become, oh, I took myself to dinner because that woman on the internet told me I should, right? So she goes on to say, um, 
you know, again, this idea of, like I said, seeing everything when I got sober of like, it's almost like a video game where everything felt so manic and so vivid. And she goes on to say how, when you can get to that place and meditation does that for a lot of people, yoga does that for a lot of people. We all have ways that we quote unquote, bring ourselves to the theoretical mat, right? The way in which you bring yourself down and you are just with self. And she talks about the harmony that exists, that when you can get to that place of the quiet hum. When you can get to that place within yourself and access that, there's a rhythm to it. There's harmony. There's a melody to silence. Who am I? There's a melody to silence? Oh my gosh, you guys. Oh, this is transformation in front of your eyes. But I'll tell you what, it's not not true. It's not not true. Okay. Um, yeah. So she goes on to say how even in that oneness, in that the quietness and finding that harmony, that not only did she notice that the world was brighter and that everything felt different, it also becomes this sense of oneness and connectedness that she began to feel with her fellow man. And, and that's how I feel too, of like, when you really get in touch with your quote unquote shadow, when you get in touch with the shit that pisses you off, with the things that trigger you, the things that you still struggle with, the amount of empathy that opens up for you to other people is astonishing. It really is because it is, everybody loves to post that like, you never know, everybody's fighting silent battles. Repost if you agree, right? Um, how much do we love to do that? But then, you know, if you're really in the middle of it and somebody's really testing you, you're not really feeling that. You know, and so it is, it becomes this idea of what I always say is like, uh, or I always say I took this from, I think it's father Greg Boyle, who I found out about by way of Pete Holmes. Um, but he always says the God in me sees the God in you, right? Like that's, that's, um, a theology thing that sometimes I, I go back and forth with what I call performative Christians where they're like, well, I've read the Bible and I, you know, I know I'm like, have you, I feel like you should go back and read it again. Cause it feels like a lot of judgment is coming out this way. But you know, that idea of like, if you, if you're doing this idea of like, you're walking as Jesus, that you are being, you are leading by example, you should always be approaching everybody as though there is the God in them. The God in me sees the God in you. Oddly, I was listening to Armchair Expert uh, with Dak Shepard and Monica Padman, and they had uh, Kristen Bell on. And somehow they were, you know, they're talking about the Eras tour and Taylor Swift. And Monica was talking about how amazing it was and how she almost felt like it was like so much spiritual being there. And there's like all of these people there, and that Taylor brought all these people together and, you know, everything she was able to do, which is all, I'm here for all of that as well. Um, and then Kristen very smartly was like, she goes, yeah, but could you imagine if we interacted with everybody with the same reverence that we give to Taylor Swift? And I was like, you know, okay, St. Bell. I mean, what just like a beautiful, uh, you know, offering. But that, that again, that goes back to that idea of like the, you know, the God in me sees the God in you. And uh, we're kind of starting to round it out here towards the end of the episode. I know I've given you a lot of things to think about. Again, now you know why I put it into two parts. I was like, we got to slow down on this. Um, so 
also looking at when I gave you those those other points for homework of what is your relationship to being alone? What does that feel like? How do you want to feel alone? Right. And then also, what are we doing that makes us feel alone in the negative connotation? Because I guarantee you, you are in relationship with a few people or you used to be that made you feel alone. Why do I always feel worse when I'm with this person or what, you know, where it's that maybe they're the person that always kind of like shits on your ideas or they're like, oh, I'm just joking. Can't you take a joke? Or, you know, you're with somebody who's emotionally unavailable and they're telling you to your face. No, I'm here. I don't understand. But you feel alone. That's so that aloneness also should be triggering your relationship to being one, to being alone, to where that goes back to the literal, I would rather actually be alone than be in this relationship. Because at least I can affirm for myself. I make myself feel seen. Again, it is a relationship that you have with yourself. And that's when you can begin to do things like keeping your word, doing the things that you said that you were going to do. Because everyone's like, oh, I need an accountability partner. I need accountability partner. And yes, there's a whole other, you know, section for that. But in the context of what we're talking about today, it's like, you know, you can be that for yourself, right? Like there is a way to get to where you tell yourself you're going to do something and that you can honor it. Because the best thing about that is here's the thing that nobody realizes is it's like, you know, they always say like you celebrate, you know, you have to endure your failures with nobody else but yourself, but you also get to enjoy those wins so much, not always by yourself, right? Hopefully you have a community of people and you're doing things with other people, but there is that sense of, Nobody could have made you do it, right? Like the ability to celebrate with oneself or celebrate oneself, there's nothing better. Like this is a, a terrible, oh, not a terrible example, but a silly example. Uh, I go to this gym called F45 and uh, I guess the app keeps track of how many classes you are, that you've been there. And uh, typically when somebody has like 100 classes and everybody cheers, and they get to sign a dumbbell and it's this whole thing. So at the end of class, they're like, we're celebrating some 100 classes today. And, you know, me, I always like to be spunky and make people feel good. And I'm like, woo, that's great. Happy Monday. And then the coach, and she goes, no, Rachel, it's your 100 class. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> like Everybody's laughing at me. They're like, you didn't know? I'm like, no. Because the idea of moving my body for me is being in relationship to myself. It's I feel better. When I move my body, when I move this shit out, when I take care of myself, I show up better in the world. I operate better. I feel better, right? But it was that of being able to quote unquote celebrate in relationship with myself of, oh my gosh, we did it. Like a hundred classes, right? So that's just one um, kind of example for you of this idea of celebration, right? Um, and so she goes on, oh, I love it. I just put next to it this you gotta say this what what did i say okay when one is a stranger to oneself then one is estranged from others too if one is out of touch with oneself then one cannot touch others and again that is so much to me this circle of life card you, it's not the, you can't like, you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. That's a whole other thing. But the idea of, and I always talk about this of like, if you have godly gifts, you serve God by exercising your gifts, 
right? And I mean, God is a higher power. You'd take that word however you want, right? But the meaning is still the same of we are all given these amazing gifts and we're all, I mean, could you imagine if we, this is a very kind of elementary thought, but it's so potent of like, well, what if like we all had the same skills? Like that would be, we, you know, like our whole universe would literally be lopsided because we would only have been good at doing one thing. There's a reason why we have all these different gifts. Again, the God in me sees the God in you. That's amazing that that's what you, you know, do. Like uh, my neighbor and I are very close and she is a facilitator and is going on this big retreat to teach uh, teachers how to uh, help uh, underprivileged uh, and under nurtured families that whose children need developmental uh, like tools and things in schools of where to access these, how to do it, how to kind of foster these families. And I mean, this amazing, amazing gift where she's going to facilitate and teach 200 facilitators that are then going to go out into the world and they're going to help all these people. Again, it's this idea of the circle of life and spreading that seed that goes wider and wider, right? Again, I'm not saying, I mean, you could feel like your calling is to, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. I don't want to be like, Oh, well, my calling is just to, you know, like I make tapestries or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, again, the way in which you were honoring the circle of life, the way of which you were, you were honoring your oneness is through honoring those gifts and allowing those gifts to shine. And until you honor your specific oneness, I mean, it, it does, I mean, you know that I do not love the whole like niche down, you know, cause it's like now we're all just like caving for an algorithm, but listen, you know, y- you got to market yourself how you got to market yourself. But The universe doesn't need you to do that. What the universe needs you to do is expand. It wants you to expand in its oneness. Notice that it's like a star doesn't explode and it's like, well, thanks so much for shopping, right? That's what I, we don't need you to niche down. Sometimes a a star will expand and burst and it breeds another galaxy. The universe is always expanding. Even if a black hole and something falls in and on itself, it falls in on itself to create something else. Or the things that are even more wild, where they're like, this galaxy, you know, like billions of miles away, where I'm like, I don't even understand how anyone's processing this. Um, And here I am just throwing it out into the ether of the internet. But where they will discover a part of the universe that they didn't know existed, and they only discovered it because something else failed, right? So again, that's that idea of like, you're not even going to discover the expansion of which you are capable. You will not feel the vastness of your oneness until you are willing to feel into all of those gifts and to feel into your oneness. Because that and that expansion is what's going to allow you to connect with all of these other pieces of the universe and all of these other people, right? I know it's a little headier today than sometimes, but you get the idea. All right, let's bring this plane down to a landing. So uh, there's all of these, yeah, alone. You're one of so many. <laughs> what a, <laughs> what a, like, that was the note, LaForce, that you wrote in the book. Oneness. You're one of so many. Yeah, no shit. Okay. Uh here we go. I loved this when she talked about the idea of expansion and and um and getting bigger. And she says, 
There is a quality to fullness, right? Psalm says, my cup runneth over. And then, so this is kind of where I'm going to leave you. I'm just going to kind of let you know what we're going to be talking about next week. And then I'll recap what we talked about today and then we'll sign off. So she goes on to say, again, so if we're in this oneness and we're expanding in our oneness and we're developing this relationship to self that will then help us have a bigger relationship to the greater whole, she goes on to say, sometimes it's almost when we get to this place of acknowledging our oneness, there's almost the sense of us that gets, becomes, almost comes in in panic. And she says, is this then what happens to women? that she wants to perpetually spill herself away, that her instinct as a woman is to be the eternal nourisher of children, of men, of a society, and she demands that she gives that, that her time, her energy, her creativeness must drain out of her and into all of those channels as though nothing must be left behind. Traditionally, we are taught and instinctively, we long to give what is needed and give it immediately. Eternally, women... Oh, eternally, a woman will spill herself away in driblets to the thirsty, seldom being allowed the time, the quiet, the peace to let the pitcher of her fill up. And scene. So that's what we're going to go on to talk about next week, which is why, why are you struggling finding the sense of a oneness? Is it part of you know, letting your cup spill over and going into all these places. Again, I'm sharing all this so you can kind of be mindful of it throughout the week and thinking about it for when we come back around so you can jot a note down for yourself about this as well. So what does that mean of like, okay, if you spend all of this time filling your cup and getting in tune with what it is and now I know who I am, now what do you do to continually nurture that when you have to fill up all these other cups, which is actually when I logged on today and I was talking with uh, my co-producer and, and manager of this podcast, Caroline, and I was saying that where I've hit this new place in in my career and with my gifts and I'm like, okay, it's time to expand. We're doing all these events and I'm, I'm so excited and I feel like I know exactly what it's going to be and I'm ready to step into it and I'm not scared. I'm excited. And I was like, and then I'm hit with life stuff, right? I've got a crew of people working on my house. I got to lead them through stuff. I've got, you know, a laundry list of stuff I have to get done for the boys. I've got family coming in town. I've got, you know, whereas like all of these other buckets suddenly show up the moment that I'm like, and I'm full, you know, and the world was like, uh, cool bitch, but you're going to fill up this cup, you know? And, and so what is that balance? How do we find that for ourselves? And I don't think that there is a way to do it without getting to that sense of oneness first, of what is your relationship to being alone? What is your relationship with yourself in your oneness? What are the blocks that you feel around that? What is your fears around that? Maybe you already are totally comfortable being alone and you know all of the calls that are coming from the universe and you still can't expand out of yourself yet. So there's lots of things that fall into this. So I'm going to leave you all of those things to think about with your homework this week. Uh, next week when we wrap up, uh, we'll, I'll have it a little bit more tidy uh, and maybe I'll make a quick YouTube video um, that'll just kind of go over the bullet points of this as well. So if you want to circle back to it, I think this is really going to be some great material of something that we'll circle back to a couple of times. Uh, and then that way you can always kind of listen to the full uh, unfiltered Rachel LaForce 
a spiritual rant, but then also if you're wanting to go on and really kind of look at it as homework, you will have a physical video that you really can walk you through it, right? And be something that will really be helpful. Um, so again, we had those two cards today of the circle of life and really being a part of it and grandmother earth. So again, that grandmother earth energy of reminding you that while you may just be this one rock that is a part of this circle of life, that you are safe, that you are grounded, that you are protected, and that there's just so much abundance, the vividness of life that's there. But until you kind of strip away of all of that bullshit and find time to sit with yourself, you are not going to be able to view the world that way. There's not enough space, right? So really getting in tune with all of that. Friends, I am so grateful that you're here. So many of you bought the book. Can I tell you? Like, obviously I do this. I It's also my, my sense of I want to expand. I want to help people. I want to be like, I don't know, here's some crazy shit that happened to me and I'm trying to make sense of it for myself, but hopefully it resonates with other people. Um, and I'm telling you, this book is so sacred and so beautiful. And I'm sure uh, wherever Anne is existing in the world, uh, you know, on a metaphysical plane that she is so grateful to know that her words are still so potent to us in 2023 and have really spawned so many new ideas for me and now for all of you. So again, this is the Rachel LaForce Show. I'm Rachel LaForce. If you like this podcast, can you please tell a friend? <laughs> please tell a friend, please. Um, even greater, share it through your social networks, email it out to people, uh, maybe tell coworkers about it. If you could leave me a review, oh, would mama be so happy? I would love it. I would love it so much. Um, also, even if you like leave me a review, share it, all that stuff, take a screenshot, send, DM it to me, email it to me. Rachel at rachelforce.com. I will also repost it and then I'll even send you five bucks for coffee. Five bucks on LaForce, coffee on me. Uh, so yeah, do that, get out there. Also, uh, all of these videos are chopped down into different uh, segments. I've got all sorts of different channels for learning that are on my YouTube. It is growing uh, by the day. So we've got all sorts of stuff that's gonna be this great catalog of a place that you can go and have access to all of this like knowledge and information and comedy, uh, comedy, that's a new word, comedy, uh, and maybe comedy too, who knows, you know what I mean? She's just, she can't turn it off. So all of that is there. That's uh, just at Rachel LaForce on YouTube. Also, uh-oh, hot release, soft launch. Here we go, baby. Uh, she's starting a Patreon. So I'm also gonna be doing, if you're really enjoying a lot of these card pulls, energy reads, uh, also, a lot of like the community that's really surrounding this and finding that I'm uh, really attracting and creating community with a lot of really wonderful people who I also have this deep need and excitement to also connect them. Uh, so it'll be super affordable, like, you know, monthly just to support me. And I will be so grateful for your, you know, financial support as well of all of this work so that I can bring you even more stuff. Um, so there's a lot that's going to be included in the Patreon because uh, I'm going to be doing monthly group readings uh, that'll be happening uh, virtually for now. Uh, and so you will have free access to all of those. So anytime you want to jump on for one of the group readings, that will already be included in your membership on Patreon and so much more. Uh, but this is where I leave you. Stay in it. Stay light. 
please go and enjoy yourself in your oneness this week. I love you so much. Uh, yeah. Love you. Mean it.